You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. that will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. They've also got a retail location to have you covered on all of your trading card needs, so go check them out, ZephyrEpic.com. The best part about Zephyr Epic, in our humble opinion is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50. From? From Squamish to Steinbach, Manitoba. From Squamish to Steinbach. Give me a Steinbach fun fact. Or are you giving us Squamish fun facts? No, no Squamish. I got Steinbach here. Population of Steinbach in 1951, 2,155. Population of Steinbach 2021, 17,000. They've been on a steady growth Every year, every 10 years, they've grown and 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 grown. Steinbach's on the on the up, man. They've Even from, from 2011, they had 13,000 people there. Now, like I said, they're up over 17,000. Steinbach is our uh, future pick. I believe uh, Steinbach, home of the Pistons, is uh, is their hockey team. What what hockey team? Junior A? Juniors, junior B? Uh, junior, yeah, the Manitoba Junior B, I think. Manitoba, Manitoba Junior Hockey League. That's Junior A. Steinbach Pistons. They've won two of the Turnbull Cups. Let's go. The 2013, 2018, and one Ava, Anavet Cup in uh, 2018. Wow. That's, that's good hockey teams there. We got some fun facts there today. So be sure to check out ZephyrEpic.com. Well, big athlete from there, too. Andrew Harris. Former uh, Vancouver Island Raider. Oh. Former BC Lion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I believe um, Winnipeg Blue Bomber. He might have got. He might have moved again. Might be with the Toronto Argos now. Uh, not, this isn't a CFL show, but I'm just saying. Uh, Andrew Harris from Steinbeck, uh, Manitoba. So people want a to know. A booming city. They got the Steinbeck Curling Club and the Keystone Cinema. Beautiful couple new buildings there in Steinbeck. The place is gorgeous. They got the Flying Golf Club, 18 holes. 
right on the adjacent to the local airport. I love that you're just reading the Steinbeck tourism page. Ridgewood South Golf Course, <laughs> too. That's just outside the city. A lot of hospitals, elementary schools. Yeah, they got everything all that you stuff. could want. Okay, big football town too. They got the they got the the sports they care about them over there. Okay, the sports they care about. Yeah, they care about. They got curling, golf, football, hockey. Like what? What else do you need in a Canadian city? Not much. Should we play our Tim Hortons Boston pizza? Or maybe not with this one. No, we'll do it another time. Here. Yeah, we'll do one. another time. Okay, seventeen thousand. You got to have a Boston pizza for sure. Okay, we're also delivered. By the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D, all one word, CONVODD. That would be 25 Back to per- Steinbeck here for a quick second. A lot of Filipinos in Steinbeck. A high, a high, um, I'm looking at the, uh, the breakdown here of the population. A lot of Filipinos. Nice. Yeah. Can I continue? Sure. Promo code CONVODD. I went to a Filipino wedding one time. Dude, it was the, possibly some of the best food I've ever had in my life. It was excellent. It was like these, um, it was this very thin meat on a stick in like peanut sauce. Oh, it was excellent. And we'd play and we karaoke for like eight hours. An unreal night. Shout okay. out to V, my boy. He got uh, married, my Filipino homie. Back in the day, A&W, me and him, we used to work together. Okay, so your mic's now muted. No. I muted your mic. I, mu- <laughs> I muted your mic. I'm reading the promo code. Convo DD, capital C, capital D's. Convo DD, that will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name's Dave Gudrelli. I have all the control right now, and I'm joined, now I'll let him talk, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Ding dong. What'd you say? Ding dong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what a horrible start. But, training camp. Training camp, day two, has finished, and Chris, yesterday, we were talking about Niels Hoaglander. I wrote about it today. Niels Hoaglander was the talk of the village, the Whistler village. I changed that from talk of the town. I felt really, really proud of that line. He was the talk of the village for all of the wrong reasons. Now, Bruce Boudreaux comes out on Friday afternoon, says to media that he thinks Hoaglander's been one of the best players on the ice at training camp. Yeah, I don't think he was like, uh, I think he was the talk of the town because of the line he was on. Yeah, that, that line didn't change on day two. I no, was it didn't. And listen, I think Huglander was good. I think he was good today. I think he he was fast, as we've kind of seen throughout. And even to hear Boudreaux come out and say that he was one of the best players on the ice today didn't surprise me. The only thing that's going to surprise me is like, what if what if he's not on a line with NHLers tomorrow? Well, he might not be tomorrow, but what about Sunday? Recording sure. this Friday afternoon, there's one day of training camp left, and the Canucks will have split squad action on Sunday. Boudreaux kind of hinted that uh, Hoaglander would be a player, among others, that plays a lot in the preseason. Mm-hmm. My question to you, Chris, is not so much what line is he on tomorrow, it's what line is he on in these preseason games? Because Boudreaux came out and said, like, you know, I'd like to keep the lines together in preseason for the most part. I'm going to go ahead and say that they don't break up JT Miller uh, with Tanner Pearson and Brock Besser. I don't think that line's getting broken up. Do you do the same? Like, do you maybe give Pod Coles in the night off and let Hoaglander play with Garland and Horvat? Yeah, I think that, that's, that's the possible. fit, right? Because I think you want Kuzmenko to play a lot of preseason games, right? You want Pedersen to uh, make sure he has a good start, so you want to make sure he's firing on all cylinders by opening night. I think you want that Mikheyev, Pedersen, Kuzmenko trio. I think you want them to mesh in the preseason. You want to give them a lot of time together. I think the only spot for Hoaglander in a preseason game, right, if he's playing with an NHL center, 
is with Bo Horvat. So I'm really curious to see where Hoaglander slips in when he plays in a preseason game. Uh, like, is he going to be playing with Linus Carlson and Niels Amon? And then is the challenge from Boudreaux basically like, okay, show you're an NHL player by elevating these two guys, right? Like, show you can play defensively because, you know, uh, Amon and Carlson aren't going to be defensive stalwarts, right, in an NHL preseason game. So it's going to be up to Hoaglander at that point. So I, I'm just curious. I'm just spitballing here, but I'm curious to see how he gets into those preseason games and what facet and what line uh, is Hoaglander on in these preseason games? Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested as well because it's, um, you know, it's it's strong words. Like Boudreaux came out and said he wants to talk about Hogs, right? Like he, he wanted to talk about how good Hogs was at, uh, at training camp. It'll be very interesting to see how the preseason goes for him because, I mean, Hoaglander offensively to me is one of the, you know, is he a top, maybe like the sixth, seventh, eighth best at creating offense at five on five? I think for sure. He's higher I, than that at 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah, at 5-on-5, five five, you can probably you know push to have him as one of your top five guys at creating offense. And that's one of the hardest things to do in hockey. Is sure, literally. that's great, but there's two sides of the ice. Yeah, there absolutely is two sides of the ice. But it, it, that's kind of why my question is, like when you look at all these other players, if you look at everyone else in the top nine, is there one player that you look at that has worse defensive game than Huglander? Maybe Kuzmenko? Like, you don't know what Kuzmenko's going to do defensively. I think Kuzmenko's been fine, especially yeah, through the neutral sure. zone. But he, to me, he's maybe the only guy, right? Like, you're not... Sure, sure. I like, agree with you. Yep. I think Pedersen, Pearson, Pod Coles, and Mil- Mikheyev, Miller Garland. at times, I guess, like, defensively. Yeah, you're not taking out Miller. No, but you're not under. taking out yeah. Miller. But what I'm saying, like, is he's still, like, defensively, he is kind of out of the top nine for sure. Yep. And then you have to kind of find the balance of, like, where do you want to fit him in a line? What does it do to that line? And I'm not saying that Huglander is, like, the worst defensively. I just think that there's certain times where um, when he lets off the gas, because it feels like when he is on the ice, he's always on, you know, full board on the gas. He, he's always going. That's the thing. You don't ever have to worry about the effort level from Huglander. But it just seems like there are times where he's in his own zone and maybe he does take his foot off the gas a little bit to kind of, like, see where the play is developing for the other team. And that that second or two where he does take his foot off the gas in his own zone, that's when he gets caught. Or if he tries to break out of the zone a little bit early, he gets caught. Those are the defensive things that do let Huglander's game down a little bit. I'm very curious to see what it looks like here, even on next day, like from from here on until the regular season. It's it's not just going to show from training camp here. I mean, could he end up on a line to start the season with Niels Amon and Linus Carlson? Yeah, like he totally could. He could totally end up starting in the AHL with that line. But it's it's really, there's going to be a lot to kind of change here. And I think the more and more we see of this fourth line playing together, and even a guy like Phil DiGiuseppe being involved now in the mix, having a really good camp again, as he had another good day today after having a great camp last year. I still don't know how this guy didn't get into an NHL game last year. But you look at that fourth line for the Canucks, and I think they like that line. Like, I do think that they like that line. You you heard the players talk about it today, even just talking about it. Like, Joshua likes that line. He likes playing with Lazar. He likes playing with Dickinson. I think that fourth line is how they're going to go this year. So I don't think Huglander's really going to be an option to play on the fourth line. It, it is top nine or bust, it feels like. Yeah, exactly. And I think the way that we kind of look at this is saying, like, okay, if it doesn't work out for Huglander out of camp, if there's an injury in the top nine, he's the first guy up. And it's not even close. It's not close. No, it's him 110,000%. Although Phil DiGiuseppe's made a strong impression, I don't think that's for a top nine role. No, I think he tops out as a bottom six. 
Yeah, and he's yeah. fine in that role. Hoaglander's not fine in that role. You don't want Hoaglander to become Phil Giuseppe. It goes back to what I was saying about uh, the advantage of putting a guy in Abbotsford and letting him kind of marinate and, and get better at at the game. Really, the two-way game, right? You want him to turn into more than just a bottom bottom six guy. So with Hoaglander, it's interesting because I think, look, we all saw him on that line, and I think everybody kind of looked at it, and no one was saying like, well, there were some, but we weren't saying like, well, he's going down to the AHL for sure. Like that, that means he's going to be in the AHL. What it did mean for for certain is that Hoaglander was going to have to earn his spot because on the outset, he was like, it, like, like if the season started tomorrow, um, yesterday when I said this, I don't think Hoaglander would have been in the NHL lineup. No, but, like he he does have an uphill battle to get. He's not yeah, gift, exactly. He's not gifted a spot in the NHL lineup. Exactly, like at all. I think so he's got to work for it. Showing that from day one of camp, you, you mentioned it. Yeah, like... And don't even give us the whole, oh, well, everybody's got to earn it. Yeah, okay, Elias Paris could go ahead and have the worst training camp of his life, score zero goals in the preseason. I guarantee he's still in the lineup. Yeah. I, I just find it, to me, I still think, and I think I've been saying this all summer long, is that Huglander's better... That, like, for him to become a consistent top-nine player... I would still rather start the season with him playing in the AHL than as the 13th forward. I don't think he he's learning if he's in the 13th forward spot. And right now, he is not in the top nine. He's not on the fourth line. Is he the next best player for you to have as a forward? For sure. Like, he would be your 13th forward if you were going into the playoffs, right? If you're going to the playoffs, you need to bring your best 13 forwards. He's in there. I, I'm just curious because I, I, I would like to see... One thing with the fourth line change, and it'd be interesting just to see a game of it. Like, with two bigger bodies, like, obviously, Dakota Joshua's big. Like, he is, he's a big body. And I really liked his play in the neutral zone. Had a good chat with him today as well. Curtis Lazar, not huge, but, man, he does he play bigger than his six-foot frame. I, I wonder what it would look like to have Lazar at center, have Dickinson be the 13th forward, and put Huglander there. Like, does Huglander's, you know, high-revved motor fit in with that line like can he I don't want to say like change his game but can he adjust a little bit to make like the best out of the situation that he's put in to get into the NHL because right now that to me is like the only spot that he can really get in if he is going to play I don't think they're going to take apart I, I really don't like in my eyes I think Tanner Pearson was the guy who could drop out of the top nine if you are going to put Hunglander there I don't think so I think Pearson's on the on the Canucks's first line this season I think the first line for the Vancouver Canucks is Miller Besser and Pearson like to me, that's the first line. They're they're a line that had success had, last yeah. year, and honestly, looking at the line how they're formed, I think whoever Brock Besser is playing on, that's the top line. And you can hear Bruce Boudreau talk about this. Uh, you can hear Patrick Alvine talk about this all off season. JT Miller's their first line center. Brock Besser is their best winger at scoring. He's on that line. Tanner Pearson just happens to be the third guy on that line. I don't think that they're putting Huglander right onto the first line. I think they're keeping Pearson there because it makes sense for the chemistry fit there. And I just if there was a player that you were to take out of your top nine, it feels like Pearson. But now that just the way the lines have been put together, I, I don't think there's a spot for Huglander to take. I don't unless Kuzmenko doesn't fit. Like unless Kuzmenko can't translate his game to the NHL, it, he's gonna have a leash to do that. Though he's gonna have a long leash, I think. Sure, but at this point, and we'll get to this in the poll question a little later. See what people are thinking. Like the 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 only real shot to me is like fourth line for Huglander, and if you mix things up. Like yeah. it, it would be, it would have to be Lazar at center, Joshua on the wing, and Huglander on the other wing. And do I like that fourth line? 
I, I like it more than uh, than Dickinson there. I do. I, I but just do you like it long term for Nils Hoglander? Because we just no. we talked about yesterday sure. about him if it goes to the AHL, what it would uh, do for his game long term, right? Yeah, I, I do. Like I, I think him going to the AHL long term might be and don't, like a little selfish for me. I'd love to see Hoglander like rip up the AHL and build confidence. What's his confidence level like coming into camp? I mean, he's always a kid who's in a good mood, and that's all you know. I, great. I think he has to be confident after what Bruce Boudreaux said today. Can I read the quotes? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so Bruce Boudreaux said today to media, let me talk about Hogs. He looks like the best player on the ice right now. He looks so much faster than he did last year. He's definitely ready, and I think last year was a setback for him, and he doesn't want it to happen again. So I wrote about this for Canucks Army, but... You know, some tough love from Boudreaux going back to last season when he said, I love this kid's potential, but he needs to learn to play the right way was the verbiage that Boudreaux used about Niels Hoglander needing to develop the two-way game and being able to play defensively because he's not a 40-goal scorer. That's what Boudreaux said at the time. Now, his training camp placement is obviously a product of the Canucks' loaded forward group, right? Like, they went out... They added some depth. They if they've improved the forward group. Look, if Andre Kuzmenko want like the Joey's pitch from the Oilers worked, and Kuzmenko doesn't sign in Vancouver, we're not even talking about this. Hoaglander's in the lineup, no question about it. But that's not what happened, is it? So now Hoaglander's on this line as a result one of the Canucks forward group. I also thought two, maybe it's some tough love, and um, you know, it's just more of Boudreaux kind of you know, trying to send a message to Hoglander of like, hey, like, let's get it going. Let's let's be ready. And I think in Boudreaux's eyes, um, he's been able to give him that strong praise because it's warranted in the sense of, look, like Nils Hoglander, if that was the message Boudreaux is trying to send, then Hoglander's got it loud and clear. Sure. Hoglander's a guy that looks good in drills, though, too. Like, you know what? I I think there's a lot to take. Like, obviously, we love to dive into lines because we actually have lines to talk about. We're here at training camp, but it it is going to be about the preseason, I think. But I just I don't I don't know what the path is for Hoglander to get into the lineup and specifically be a top nine player. Like, I don't know. I I have no idea what the path could be aside from Kuzmenko just not looking good against NHL speed. Yeah, but that's the only thing, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and even if it does, Chris, like Kuzmenko is not going to get five games to figure it out. Like not like not even five regular season NHL games, and then get demoted. Like they're going to let him try to figure it out. It's gonna he's going to have a long leash. So where so there is no road to the top nine aside from an injury. Aside from an injury, yeah. Or in preseason, yeah. Well, you brought up Tanner Pierce, and Tanner Pierce can actually play on a fourth line. He could make he could make that. Like, if he goes in for Jason Dickinson, he can make that line better. Yeah. But can Nils Hoaglander make the first line better? Offensively, probably, yeah. So, there's your path. Yeah. I mean, like, the, I guess there's a path, but it just it just seems like, like we've been saying for a while now, it is an uphill battle it for is. him to get into that spot. And I don't think it's going to be, it's obviously not going to be gifted to him. We can see the way that the lines are put together. He's on an AHL line. I'd be curious to see last day of camp what happens. Does does Boudreaux's praise for him in the media mean enough to like, so now we're going to skate him with this guy, and you know what, Calgary, you're going to see Niels Huglander play with Horvat. Like, it, that would be wild. That would be something wild that would happen, but it's very possible. And when I think the interesting thing for me is, though, because of this Calgary preseason games where half the team's going to Calgary, half the team's staying here, I don't think we're going to see the lines be mixed up. I think the lines that he's gone with the first two days of training camp is what we're going to see on the third day. And I think that 
that's going to help kind of split how you send half your team to Calgary and keep half of them here. It explains why, you know, Danny DeKaiser might be skating with Tyler Myers, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> but then that. after that, like once you start to get to some regular preseason games, you know, when, when you're playing the Kraken, when you're playing the other teams that they have in preseason, that's when maybe a line can be mixed up a little bit for Huglander to get a chance. Sure. And I'll tell you what, when that chance happens, you know, he's got to look not only just really, he like he needs to look dangerous offensively, which is the thing that you hope and expect from him, but he's got to look extra like focused on the defensive zone because that's the part of the game that they're going to be watching for him. They're going to know that he's what he's going to do offensively is going to be there. That's it's been there at five on five throughout his, you know, two year NHL career. And that's, that's the other thing. It's like, man, it's going to be, if he does get demoted to the AHL after playing in the NHL for two years, I don't know what that does to his confidence. I, I think he's a guy who doesn't like, I think Huglander always has a pretty positive outlook on things, just the way he talks and, and kind of the way that he is as a person of what we know. So I don't think it would like wreck his confidence to have to go to the HL. I don't think he'd be happy about it though. I think that's something that he's kind of talked about. I think a lot of people expect him to be an NHL or he's been an NHL for two years. So I, I think the preseason is going to be the ultimate tell here. I don't think that this training camp is the, is like, I think training camp is telling us what we're going to see for the Calgary preseason game. But then after that, there's got to be some point in the preseason where Huglander does get a chance to, I think you're right. I think skate with, with the Horvat line at some point. Yeah. Can I just say, before we go to break here, can I just say, I love Bruce Boudreaux style way more than any other coach that we've seen preseason from. Yeah. What do you mean? Training camp? Yeah. Sorry. Training camp. Because he he's like, I'm going to keep lines together that I think could actually play. Yeah. Preseason games where it'd be like Carson Foe with Brock Besser on his wing. That's never going to happen. No. And, and to his credit, Travis Green put Nils Hoaglander with Bo, Hor- uh, Bo Horvat in that year. And everybody was like, what the heck's going to happen to Jake Vertanen? And Nils Hoaglander came and earned that spot, right? So just an interesting little thing. Yeah, I think... Um... I think a lot of you can hear the players kind of talking about it. Like Boudreaux's camp is good. Like I, like Boudreaux's got them fired up, man. He he really does. Like there's been a lot more. I I'm I'm looking at a guy like, you know, a little off the off the off the beaten path here, but like like Wyatt Kalyanuk, he is he like he is battling everyone. I don't care what drill it is or what scrimmage it is. If you're around the crease, like he is cross checking you in the back. If you're Connor Garland or if you're J T Miller, like. Or, you know, if you're Yashiro Hirano, like, Kalyanuk is giving it to you all. Like, and I like to see that in a training camp because I, I think a lot of people wouldn't expect to see this type of, you know, guys almost coming to, to dropping the gloves against each other, it feels like at times. And, I mean, you're seeing it from him. You're seeing it from Garland, the players that you'd expect. Even Jack Rathbone in scrimmages has been, you know, strong and sticking up for himself. It It, it is – there's some there's a lot more intensity, man, at this camp with Boudreaux than I've seen the last two training camps. Yeah, and the players are very fired up. You can just tell that uh, when we chat with them. And the thing is, like, it's not just about coming in and, like, oh, how's your conditioning from that conditioning skate that you do at the end? Some of these drills are are wearing players out. Yeah. Like, they are going five-on-five where they skate down one end, one team's attacking, then the other team's defending, and then they're attacking again, then they're defending, and they're back and forth and back and forth playing like it was an actual, like, two-minute shift of offense and defense. Like, that's... That's pretty hard to do when you're full board for, you know, two minutes of it's like with one minute attacking, one minute defending. That's that is conditioning, too, because you're actually like getting prepared for it. it doesn't just have to be you on the end skating lines like I like the way that Boudreaux is is 
giving these players something to kind of work for here at training camp. And it's, it's a different level of work for me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll take a quick break on the other side. We'll get to our Atlas goods poll question. It's about Niels Hoaglander, as you may have guessed folks. So keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks conversation. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks conversation podcast. Folks, if you want to advertise with us, shoot us a message at Canucks convo on Twitter at Chris Faber 39 on Twitter or at Quadrelli on Twitter. Chris, it is time for our Atlas Goods poll question. My favorite part of the show where we get to tell you about Atlas Goods and they are delicious pop rinds. So if you want some, folks, you've heard us talk about them before. The pop rinds straight out of your microwave or air fryer. Go to locally owned and operated Atlas Goods, atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds. I, I can't tell you enough good things about it, folks. Uh, different than any pop rinds you've ever had before. Yeah, I've heard everyone that's had it and tried it has liked it. That's right. I, I've yet to see a bad review about the pop rinds. True. Except for one vegan listener. That's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, our poll question today. Will Nils Hoaglander be in Vancouver's opening night lineup? Chris, so far, very good poll question by you. Yep. Because holy smokes, there is so much disparity here between fans like there's not not one that's running away with it i will tell you who's leading it though so far 33 percent of the vote says yes he will be in the top nine 24 percent say yes he'll be on the fourth line another 24 percent say no he'll be in the ahl and 19 percent say they are angry tell you what even the i'm angry crowd's coming up and close and well how could you not be this is nils hoagland we're talking about people that's love true. this kid yeah, they do. Where are you voting on this? Will oh. Nils Hoaglander be in Vancouver's opening night lineup? Yeah, I don't know. Man, I because I, I don't know about a fourth line path. I don't think I don't know if that's going to happen. It'll be interesting. Like, it, is Jason Dickinson fine at your 13th forward? Not at the money he's making, but will Nils Hoaglander fit on the fourth line? I'm not really sure. I don't think he gets into the top nine. I don't like him as the 13th forward. I, I think he's going to start in the AHL. I, I do think that's what's going to happen. Like I, I think his play would have to be so ridiculously good in the preseason that he steals a job from someone. But then the job that he steals, where does that player go? How does that change the lineup? Mm-hmm. The only one that makes sense, and we've kind of touched on it, would maybe be Pearson on a fourth line, right? And then Dickinson comes out, Lazar plays the middle. I'm good with or that. Or is Lazar an extra forward at that point? You don't really know. No, it feels not like, Lazar. You, dude, Lazar can take face-offs. Yeah, but Dickinson you know what? Can't. What we've seen through training camp is that Dickinson is the center there. It's not Lazar. They like Dickinson at center on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. And could Dickinson bounce back and be a five? Fly- t- I talked about this yesterday. I think they're just... I'm sorry to cut you off. They're just trying to build his confidence, I think. They're literally just trying to say, like, this is someone we tried to trade. We couldn't do it. He's making too much money for us to just put him in the press box to start the year. They're trying him out again at center. I don't think that's a long-term fit. Unless he bounces back. Yeah, you know what? Jason Dickinson is a huge bounce-back candidate for the Canucks. Okay, I wouldn't call him a huge bounce back. I don't know, man. I think in a fourth line role, I know he's making too much money, but in a fourth line role, you know, I, I think he can be something that brings a lot to your team. I, I just don't think that what he did for Dallas is going to fall completely off. Like it, it fell off big time under Travis Green. He was given a chance under Bruce Boudreaux, and he came in. He didn't really seize that opportunity too much. Now it's really like there's no pressure on him to be a third line center at all. No one has that for him because they've talked about how deep they are at center and they've talked about the three centers being the, you know, the core of this team, really. 
So there's no pressure on Dickinson right now. I wonder if how he fits in a fourth line role for this team. I think that he has a chance to bounce back and be an impact player in a similar way to like, hey, if they brought Jason Dickinson back on the Brandon Sutter one million dollar deal, people would probably like Dickinson. They'd be like, hey, right on, you could be a fourth line player. Like, it'd be the same way as you know Sutter and how much he was overpaid in his money mm-hmm. and nobody liked him there because he was expected to be a third line center. Like this is the same book being rewritten by Jason Dickinson, but it, you know he he hasn't really battled as much injuries as Sutter has to me. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Okay, what do you want to talk about next? What What do you have on the docket here? Because I kind of want to talk about Adam Gaudet okay, <laughs> getting well, a top your, six okay. opportunity with the Toronto Maple Leafs, getting power play time uh, through the first couple days of training camp. They're skiing with John Tavares and Mitch Marner. I don't think this is going to be anything, folks. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, even though, you know, Adam Gaudet, friend of the show, I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably not going to be on the Tavares line when opening night's hit night hits for the Leafs. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that would be pretty shocking. Could he be the fourth line center? Maybe. Maybe. Depends how they want to play in Toronto. All right. I got to, well, I put out a, that's all your Godette thing? That's what you wanted to bring Literally, up? I just want to say he's playing top six minutes and it's hilarious Jeez, Louise. All right. I asked for questions uh, from the podcast account for people. You want to get to a couple of these? Yeah. All right. This I, one is I from saw you had three. Madeline. Uh, besides the expected guys like DiGiuseppe, Anyone looking like a dark horse candidate for a call-up? Oh, okay. In the AHL, what do you think? Well, dark horse, like... Well, obviously, like you said, Phil Giuseppe. Like, Noah Juleson's not really a dark horse. I'd say maybe Brady Keeper. I'd say Brady Keeper's actually a dark horse to make this roster. Oh, I don't think he's making the roster, no. But I, I, I like Brady Keeper as a call-up option, for sure. I think Kyle Burroughs is too good to... Be sent down ahead of Brady Keeper? I think, yeah, I think Burroughs, he's going to require waivers to go through. Yeah, I don't think they're losing Kyle Burroughs. Like, I don't think they're going to put him down is what I mean. I don't think they're going to risk losing him. But maybe, maybe. he's a player that he gets picked up, I think, if he hits waivers. And I think that's a loss for the team. Sure. But I think Brady Keeper's got something. I I see something in Brady Keeper when I watch him play. Yeah, it's weird. It's even. He moves the puck really well. He skates well, too. He's he's strong. He he is is strong. It doesn't take a big push for him to knock a guy over. Like bumping into Brady Keeper, I don't know. He is he's he's, he's not huge though either. Like no, he's, he's not he's built. Yeah, he's just very built and like he is he, he's just very strong. It was good to chat with him a little bit. I think uh, Cody Severson's gonna have an article about it because um, we had a, a chat with Keeper today and I thought it went really well. So uh, yeah, expect that on Canucks Army pretty soon. Cody's gonna do a good job with that. Um, let's get to uh, a question here from at Canucks underscore Daily. Who do you think leads the Canucks in points this year? It's a good question. Who leads this the Canucks? This is like my favorite, like, before the season question. Yeah. Like, well, neither of us had Miller last year. No, I can't even remember who we had last year. Probably Connor Garland. I like Garland. <laughs> I probably five said and five C-Loves. points, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Who leads them in points? I'm going to say Elias Patterson. I think we've had this What's your range here? discussion, too. I think Pedersen is going good to... Good year for Pedersen, what does it look like? Pedersen's Not gonna, unreal, but a good step. He's going to be good over step. a point per game. And I think that's a good step. I, I think Pedersen scores 30 goals and gets at least 40 assists. Wow. At least. I'm curious if... Like, I want to say this name, but I don't know if he's going to put up the power play points. But I think Brock Besser is going to lead the Canucks in points. In points? In points. Not goals. No, he's now, if he starts the season playing on a line with JT Miller and he sticks with JT Miller, like Miller's going to put up 30 goals. I think Besser has a chance to get to 30 plus. 
Mm-hmm. I just the the only thing that worries me is he doesn't pick up those secondary assists on the power play like Miller would or Pedersen would. But if he is used as the down low guy, maybe he does. Like I, I think Besser could be. Everyone's talking about how he's going to have a huge year. He has led the Canucks in points in the past. Like I, I, I think if it, if everything comes together for Besser this year, which I really think he like he is massively motivated. I, I, I think I would. He said, like, "This is the year." Given the odds of like, if you were to give me decent odds, and I still think this is like, I would, I would take it. I would, I think Besser this year is going to be the points leader for the Canucks. All right, a little That's hot a take, take. I think it is. It is a hot take. We're not betting on it this time. But I tell you, if he, if there's any like half decent odds, I'd take it. Yeah. All right. Bonus question as well. Who is second in defense scoring? Who we know Hughes is going to be number one. Okay. Well, is OEL number two. Yeah, OEL's number two. Maybe Jack Rathbone. I like Jack Rathbone. Yeah, I mean, scoring could be interesting. I think points, it's going to be OEL. What about goals, though? Like, after he... And Hughes might not even be number one in goals. It might be Rathbone. Rathbone's like, got a bomb of a shot. You only really need, like, six goals from the backhand to lead the Canucks. That's very doable for a lot of different defensemen, I think. Well, right? Tucker Pullman sniped today in scrimmage. Tell you, man, I tell you. Dark horse. I might be the only guy in this market that likes Tucker Pullman. I don't I think. What did you see in Tucker Pullman through two days saying, of training camp? He's, well, he's been, he looks fine. He looks healthy. I just think. Oh, we're that, happy he's healthy. Nobody's, nobody's saying, well, I wish Tucker Pullman wasn't healthy. Well, I kind of blanked that Hughes had eight goals last year. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to this Tucker Pullman thing. What, what, what did you see from Tucker Pullman? Genuinely, what did you see? I, I see that he's, uh, he looks like a fine bottom pairing. He's defenseman. bobbling pucks still. I don't think he's bobbling pucks. He is bobbling pucks. No. Yeah, he loses the puck in his skates a lot. I don't think so. I think if you put him on a third pairing, you don't want him playing with OEL or Hughes. You just want him on a third pairing to get the puck out of his own zone and let the other guy do all the work. I don't think he's going to hurt your team on a third pairing. There's no other defenseman on the Canucks where the bar is that low for them. There's like Luke Shen. We don't even say, oh, Luke Shen can just make sure the puck's with someone else and it'll be okay. Luke Shen can make the first pass out of the zone. There's no one on the Canucks that the bar is that low for. Why is it okay that the $2.5 million defenseman is somewhere saying, well, if he just lets someone else have the puck, it's okay. If he just lets someone else defend the rush, it's okay. If he just lets someone else defend uh, altogether, sure he, it's okay. I, I think that he can defend the rush. I think he can also defend the net better than He got blown by today, like three times yeah, in lots scrimmage. Lots of guys did. It's a small scrimmage. I don't know about that. I think he was actually pretty decent in the scrimmage. He had one cool move. I think he just liked to hate on Tucker Pullman. I, I just, I'm literally just trying to be honest and say that I, I have never once looked at Tucker Pullman and been like, wow, this guy's, this is good. I need him on a pairing. Yeah, I, I look at him when I say, okay, this, I, I'd I almost think he goes, things enough to say, okay, he's a, he's a fine player to have on your third pair. He is a fine pair. Yeah, sure. But so is Kyle Burrows. And I would say Kyle Burrows is better than Tucker Pullman in mm-hmm. every facet of the game. He fights. Tucker Pullman should not be fighting. No. Right? And again, I'm not saying Kyle Burrows should be there because he fights, but he moves the puck better. I'd say he defends better. He has more bite to his game than Pullman does. I think Kyle Burrows does everything better than Tucker Pullman does. I don't think he's better defensively than... Than Pullman, I do. I think Pullman's a. I just think that Pullman does a. He does do a good job when he's stationary defender, like when he is set up around in a zone to defend. He's better there than you think. Yeah, unless the forwards start moving. He's got a long stick. He can use it. I. I just. I listen. I know I'm the only person in this market that likes him, in this spot. But I just. I think that there's more for Pullman than people expect, and I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be a player who probably starts on this team's roster. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think, think he's he gonna be, be opening night. I think he's gonna be there. Yep. I think so. I don't think he should be, though. It might cost him Burroughs. 
to, to start Pullman there. That would be such a mistake. Very easily could happen. Okay. Should we close it out? Pullman's second leading scorer for the defense. <laughs> no, I know that's not going to happen. Adelaide scored in the scrimmage. All right. We closing it out? No, we got uh, one more question to get. Do you want to talk about the Hughes on the right side thing? Because I tell no. you what, in the scrimmage, it... Uh, yeah, it wasn't great, was it? No, I think you... There was like one nice little spin that he did to the right side, but Hughes, it's weird. Like if any, you, we, we talked about this forever. If anybody could switch to the right side and do it, it'd be Quinn Hughes. But like him carrying the puck on his backhand isn't the same as him carrying on his forehand. So he needs to go to the, he's done it throughout the scrimmage and maybe this is something he could work on or change, but carrying the puck, I, I didn't think it was going to be that much of a difference as it is on the backhand as how it looked in the scrimmage where it's like, you know, it is kind of hard to, to beat a guy on your backhand going around him and just using your skates. Easier to lose the puck, get the puck yeah. knocked off your stick. I think it is like, yeah, I didn't think it was going to be that noticeable and I, and I still want to see it in preseason, but I don't think they want to take away how good Quinn Hughes can be at carrying the puck on his forehand on the left. Yeah. Like seeing it in the skates, there was like, like I said, there was one play where he made this nice spin move and he took it to his backhand and beat a guy. But there was a lot of plays where it just feels like maybe when a four-checker can just be like, oh, well, I'll just take away the center of the ice, and then the next four-checker on the left side just takes away the backhand. It's hard. It is harder than I thought. Do you – when you and I had this conversation in the car ride home, well, to the hotel. But what we were talking about today, and I kind of threw this at you, was I'm not convinced. I don't want to use a word like that, but I'm growing more and more – curious to see if what the Canucks are really doing here is getting Quinn comfortable on the right side so that OELQ's pairing is a weapon that they can use late in game so that they just have all of their firepower out at once, right? Um, As opposed to this is the pairing that's starting and playing the entire game together. I'm starting to think it's more the the former. I think that's what we're going to see is, you know, I I still think Hughes is going to start with Shen, right? Because Shen was even kind of laughing about uh pairings and everything today he was like yeah, we'll was. see what happens like it's two days into camp uh, i don't you know he said well, well i've been around long enough to know we'll we'll see how things actually shake yeah, out the significance i of think shen and hughes there. are gonna stay together yeah i agree with you i'm like you know what remember remember when hughes and myers had like a good year of doing that when they played together they actually had really good numbers when the canucks were like losing i yeah. think in in myers's first year and it wasn't, it didn't, their second year together didn't work well when they used that. But I nope. wonder what the OEL and Hughes pairing looks like when you're trailing, when you're down by two in the second period, when you're down by one in the third period. I think that's when we're going to see it. Yeah. And it's weird because it's like uh, there's a lot of things that look fine. Like I think that the players move around enough, but both OEL and both Hughes want to kind of use their forehand for everything, which makes sense. Like it makes sense that a defenseman wants to do that. But when you're both wanting to go to your forehand, there's a way to take away both players with one good forecheck. And I think that's what might be what yep. costs them cost them a little bit. So it'd be interesting. And it's like, you know, it was so quick and, and I think we need to see it in preseason still. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in scrimmage today, I'll tell you though, it didn't look like you're not gonna see a lot of Quinn Hughes highlights uh in the Canucks' Twitter account today about the scrimmage. Cause like aside from that one spin move. Uh, it just it didn't it didn't immediately like happen like I think a lot of us thought because like we all know how good Quinn Hughes is 
And I think a lot of us thought, like, hey, moving to the right side won't be that hard. Like, Quinn Hughes, he's so talented. It might be harder than we thought. I don't know. But it was one scrimmage, and I didn't think, like, he was, like, horrible. But I definitely noticed he was worse today on the right side than he was on day one of scrimmage. Yeah. Like, today I noticed things being taken away from Hughes when he was on the right side that I was like, ooh, like, normally when he does that on the left side, there's not a body there. But when he did it on the right side, there was a body there. and And it shut him down. So... It was tough to watch, but then it felt like later in the scrimmage, that's when he made that crazy spin move and like just completely walked a guy and then had a wide open right side. So maybe he learned a little bit and then kind of reacted to it. So it could be a work in progress still. We could still see the season start like this if if things go well in preseason, but I, I just, yeah, I'm with you where I, I do think it is. It's probably still going to end up being Hughes and Chen and then OEL and Myers, but then at the same time, it's like, man, you'd like to see OEL and Myers get some time together then. How early do you have to figure this out? You know, you don't want to just do you. You don't want to run the OEL Hughes attempt all preseason long, and then on day one of actual regular season, like yeah, no, actually, we're going to go back to OEL Myers. Like that, that's a tough look too. You want to get something in the preseason. Look at quarterbacks in the NFL who didn't play in preseason; they all got whooped in week one. Yeah, lots can happen. Still, I expect to see uh, Hughes and Shen back together, but we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes down. We got split squad game. On Sunday, we're going to record an episode on Monday. We're not going to do a Saturday episode or a Sunday episode. We're going to get it on Monday. Awesome um, games we'll have, to talk about. Yeah, we'll have games to talk about. It's exciting times. Exciting I, times. You know what's going to be funny is because one of the games is at Rogers Arena, the other one's in Calgary. We're going to be sitting there watching one of the games like on our computers, one in front of us, right? Like that's how it's going to go. I think there's a puck drop like one hour difference. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to be like watching the other game to talk about that game later while we're watching a game live. I don't know. Little uh, Inception. And you know, I've never seen that movie, Inception. It's a good one. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I was saying you should watch the 61 movie with all this Aaron Judge stuff going on. Yeah, I should see it, yeah. You're all on the podcast yesterday blabbing about Aaron Judge all day. It's going to be good. Yeah, we got our our Patreon uh, vlog. We're going to be finishing that tomorrow. We're posting it. Training camp vlog. Got some good uh, good stuff. Went to Splits Burger. It was good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I was saying it's not the best burger I've ever had, but I can't remember the last burger that I had that was better than that one. So I'll give you props. Your little burger joint place, it was pretty strong. It was pretty good. Not sure if it was the best I've ever had, um, but it was pretty good. All right. But we'll we'll be back on Monday. Another couple. We're going to take one day off. No, two days off. We'll be back on Monday. Yeah. All right. We'll close it out there. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is Dave Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?